This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's a new way to lead off your Sunday with conversation, unique perspectives, and your thoughts and questions on the Hometown Nine. It's Twins Today. And a swing and a miss and a changeup. That was masterful pitching from Jose Barrios. I know they know I got a great curveball, so they're looking for That's when I want the unbreakable. Twins Today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. It's hard to believe that was 15 years ago. Right? Time flies, but uh, you know what? I'm in a new role and I'm enjoying it. Thanks, Derek. Which thought am I? Did I make the top five? Now, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Good morning. Good to be with you. Hello from Target Field. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. This is Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group more than cars. It's a new baseball show where we talk about Minnesota Twins baseball right here on WCCO in the Twin Cities metro area. And finally, we have a dramatic and fun, exciting win to talk about. It seems like we'd been waiting for that moment for... uh, a little bit longer than we'd care to admit, uh, possibly weeks and weeks. Uh, but we've got a fun show coming up, uh, not the least of which some of the guests that I'm welcoming to the program today. We are going to talk with Twins legend Tony Oliva later in the, on in the program, so stay tuned for that if for no other reason. Uh, we're also going to hear a little snippet from Behind the Batting Cage, Danny Gladden's segment with Jose Canseco, so there's that too. And... At, to close the show, we're going to bring in Megan Ryan, who covers the Minnesota Twins. She's in her first year covering the team for the Minneapolis Star Tribune. And we'll take your calls for that section, too. If you'd like to get in on the show, talk about the dramatic win, or talk about the slow start to the season, or what you think the Twins' chances are, any of that stuff is fair game on this show. 651-989-9226 is the number you can dial to get in. That's 651 989 Nine two two six. We'll we'll take your calls in hour two of the show, and then because um, we got to make room for all these great guests. So that's what's coming up on Twins today. Um, s- stay with us. We're, we're here from ten to noon on this show. We'll lead you right up to Inside Twins and the Adina Realty pregame lineup card, all leading to Twins and A's first pitch coming up here later this afternoon. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Derek Wetmore. Facebook.com slash Derek Wetmore MOP is where you can find me there. I also write an email newsletter about the Minnesota Twins if that kind of thing interests you. The name of that newsletter is Five Thoughts, which is exactly where we start this program today, where I basically chop up the week of Twins news, analysis, opinion, everything, condense it all give you five bullet points here to either get you caught up or to sort of relive the week that was in the Minnesota Twins, and where else would we start? Number one. I think he knows he has to work, and and we chatted with him. I sat down with him and had a good conversation with him, and and he knows that he has to get uh, dialed in and and get his timing in and go out there and have good at-bats when he has the opportunities. And 
and he goes out there and plays. So in the meantime, when he's not playing, he's a good teammate. I mean, he's there for his guys. He's there kind of pushing everyone and encouraging everyone. And, and he keeps working on the side when he's not in the lineup. Little mystery there. That was Rocco Baldelli talking about Miguel Sano and how he had sort of, I don't know, lost his starting job for lack of a better term. I don't know if it's quite fair to, to say it that strongly, but Williams Astadio had been playing a lot over Miguel and he had come back from, Miguel had, that is, come back from a slight hamstring injury. And so you're always kind of wondering about timing and stuff. But yeah, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it sure looked like he was in danger of losing that first base job. Uh, mystery to who the clip was about, but no mystery to the fact that Sano has struggled this year. I think he'd be the first to admit it, too. It's like a 38% strikeout rate, which, if that's coming with a lot of home runs and a lot of RBI, and he's just uh, driving in runs and being a force in the middle of the lineup, okay, you're going to look at the strikeout rate and say, that's high, but here we go. That's who he is. That is not what has happened for Sano this year. So uh, that sets the scene for what happened yesterday in the game. Who better to come through with the game on the line, the Twins trailing late? Number two. A's four, Twins two, and a one. Want to swing it a fly ball into right field and deep. Get up. Scotty going back. Get Track. Up. Wall. Gone! Miguel Sano goes up. Oh! A get off my back. Go ahead, three-run homer to right, and the Twins take a 5-4 lead, and target field he reps for the first time in nearly two years. Big time, big moment, uh, big opportunity to come back and do our job like a teammate. We post it all the time, you know. We're coming out there, and we go there, try to have some fun, play the game, take a chance to win the game. You know, I believe Miguel Sano when he says that they're positive all the time, but it was getting harder to believe that statement could possibly be true. Looked at the scorecard yesterday. I was keeping score down in the radio booth, and uh, the Twins were trailing 4-1 to one of the best teams in the American League right now, and I thought, boy, 12-25 and 25 would be... I'm not a guy who looks at records very often early in the season because I, I don't think they matter a whole ton what your record is in uh, early May, but it was starting to get a little late for the Twins, and it, and it still is. They still have to take care of business, but I thought to myself, man, 12-25 and 25 is not the record that you want to have uh, as you look as your, your season is six weeks old now. They come back, they get a big win, and now what I'm curious to see is that moment for Miguel Sano three things. One, is it a, is it a big lift for him? There's a guy who, if his back could come around, big lift for the Twins lineup. Uh, two, is it a big lift for the team to believe that, hey, just because you're down late doesn't mean the game's over? And, you know, three, I'm curious to see if the bullpen's performance can carry over. We, ha we haven't seen the Twins bullpen of old, the Twins bullpen that was nails in 2019, 2020, one of the best groups collectively in the league. And that certainly hasn't been the case in 2020. So I'm really curious to see if that fast forward just a real quick background on that clip because I, I don't know if it's obvious where great call from Corey Provis and then you hear Dan Gladden in the background saying get up get out he's rooting for that ball to leave one because he knows that the twins need that sort of boost but two because 
Gladden had picked Sano pregame as his pick to click offensively, and uh, we all root for ourselves to be right, it turns out, even Dan Gladden. So that was a really fun call. We'll see if that carries over for the Twins. Number three. And the 0-1, loop to right center field, over the head of Kemp, base hit. Rounding third, scoring is Cruz. Polanco makes third. Ref Snyder, RBI single, it's a 4-2 game. Rob Refsnyder, who'd have thought? Uh, I was counting up the depth chart earlier today, and I know it's not quite this simple, not so plain, but you could craft the argument that he was about the Twins' eighth choice in the outfield from the start of the season. You got a lot of injuries. We uh, don't need to hammer them all here, but let's just run through them quickly. You know, Byron Buxton out with a strained hip. Alex Kirilov out with wrist. Um, you know, Jake Cave yesterday goes on a 60-day IL with a broken bone in his back. I mean, that's kind of scary injury to hear about. Uh, you know, and then they also they had Kyle Garlick. They had Larnick up before Ref Snyder. So anyway, that's a lot of names in front of him on this depth chart, and I love it seeing a player like that take his opportunity and absolutely run with it. He had uh, two hits yesterday and a big one in that rally to kind of keep things going. And I... I hearken back to a conversation I had with Britt Giroli, who covers Major League Baseball for The Athletic. This is a couple weeks ago, and Britt covered the 2019 Washington Nationals World Series team. Remember the team that started out, and don't quote me on this record, but I think they were 19-33 and 33 to begin the season. Just something like, completely out of it, right? Going to be sellers at the deadline, season's over in May, just absolute terrible start to the season they go on they recover they go and win the 2019 world series Britt brought up a, a point about role player yeah they had a great rotation i'm not going to minimize that it helps to have a couple of uh, potential hall of famers in your starting rotation but they had brought up i think it was gerardo para who they just add to the team and he injected something into the clubhouse that you could not have predicted preseason he looked around and he said why is everybody so down? This is a really good team. You're just not playing very good baseball. And then, bang, they won in a run. Of course, that's a bit more of a narrative than the actual explanation for why the Nats got good in the rest of that season. But I just thought it was a fun anecdote that, yeah, if you have fresh eyes and you haven't been living through the sort of the doldrum, whatever, the, the losing streak, the unbelievable record in one-run games, the extra inning losses, gut punch after gut punch, to sort of come in with fresh eyes and be like, eh, no big deal. That's just an eighth inning rally. I thought that was a really fun moment for the Twins and good for Rob Refsnyder for, for getting that one done for them as well. Can't minimize the importance of that bullpen in yesterday's win, though. Number four. 2-2 two -two count to Loriano. And the pitch, he got him. Strike three on a cut fastball. And the first pitch, a ground ball to short on the second hop. Scooped up by Simmons. He throws out Chapman. And Alex Colome continues a nice stretch now five straight scoreless appearances as he works a one, two, three, eighth inning. Colomay was very sharp today. He looks like uh, like a different guy, guy, a guy we're familiar with, a guy that we've seen a lot of. And this is this is what he looks like when he's sharp, feeling good, dotting up, you know, using that cutter and the four seamer. This is what it looks like. And it uh, it looks really good to me. Dotting up is right. That is what Alex Colomay did yesterday. It's what he's been doing now. You heard Corey Provis say five consecutive scoreless outings. That spans six innings for Colome. And I actually, respectfully, am going to disagree with something that Rocco Baldelli said there in that clip. He said he looks like a different guy. 
yeah, he looks like a different guy from the beginning of the season, but he looks like the same guy he was with the White Sox when he was one of the best late-inning relievers in baseball. So who knows uh, where it goes from here with Colme, but it feels like we bring him up every week, and uh, justifiably so for the first six weeks of the season. Hansel Robles also a big inning for the Twins, and the Twins are going to need all those guys. They're going to need Robles. They're going to need Colome. They're going to need Taylor Rogers to continue to be a star for them out there. they got to get Tyler Duffy back on track. You, know, you do some of those things, and all of a sudden some of those close games, those late you know, one-run deficit, one-run lead games, suddenly you just start to feel a little bit more confident about the outcome going in your favor. I want to, while we're talking about this on thought number four here during five thoughts on Twins today, I want to point out that the Angels just made a trade with the Rays for reliever Hunter Strickland, who's got an ERA sub two so far this season, but the Rays have a lot of options. I, I think I read that they've got some guys coming back uh, from the injured list, and they were just going to have a glut of relievers, so they trade Strickland to the Angels, who could use bullpen help right now. Also, the Braves signed Shane Green earlier this season. And a lot of fans, I think, fans that I heard from on my Facebook page, said, why aren't the Twins in on these guys? The Twins need some bullpen help very clearly, too. Why are they not going and trading for a Hunter Strickland? Why are they not signing a Shane Green? And I, look, I don't know the answer to this. I, Derek Falvey's not sitting right next to me here in the radio booth at Target Field, and if he was, I'd ask him. But short of that, I'm going to speculate here, if I can, that I think it's a signal that the Twins are counting on their group to be better than they've been before. Thad Levine said that last week on Inside Twins, and I think this is the manifestation of that. This is not just lip service to, yeah, I think our guys are going to be better, and then you go trade for somebody else. He's saying... We think these guys are better than their performance has been, and then the Twins are putting them out in close and late situations and expecting them to turn that performance around. So I don't know if that's the reason why the Twins weren't in on a couple of those relief names that I just mentioned, but I do think it's interesting that they've been saying all along, we're a better club than our record indicates. Number five. Off the first base side is Robles. And the pitch, a ground ball to third. Donaldson fields. He sets. He throws. Twins win. Twins win. The Minnesota Twins win it. 5-4 Twins finally win a close ball game. And maybe this will be the spark. Yeah, I mean, it was much needed. Sano came through in the clutch right there. The team felt like a big sigh of relief. You know, the fans are, you know, wanting us to play just as bad as we are. And for that, <laughs> that you know, for us to, uh, to go out there and, you know, keep fighting and, and Snow having the big hit. And, you know, it was a collective energy from us and from them as well. Josh Donaldson there on the clip, and he's right. It's going to be a matter of picking the team up. Um, we're always looking for what is that moment? What's the moment that's going to take the Twins from 12 and 24 as they started yesterday to – you know, don't let this team get hot. <laughs> and then off and running and the American League Central. There's a long way to go between where we are right now and that moment. But I've been looking for the past week or two, what's that moment going to be? I'm just wondering if it's not that win against one of the best teams in the American League. So that's thought number five. That is five thoughts here on Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group. When we come back, we've got a very special guest in the booth that's going to talk with us about his 
Minnesota Twins career. You are not going to want to miss this one. Twins legend Tony O sits down with us after this on Twins Today. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. The 0-1 pitch. Lined up to the field. It's in for a base hit. It's going to the wall. This might do it. Carew around third. Here he comes. He's going to score. And this will end the ball game as Carew crosses the plate. And the Twins win it by a score of 3-2. Tony Oliva slams a double to the left center field wall. And Carew was really flying around second and third as he comes home with a winner. That's Rod Carew scoring the winning run, driven in by none other than Twins legend Tony Oliva, who joins us now on Twins Today. Tony, how are you? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. I want to thank you for giving me this opportunity to be here. I remember, the, you know, a little bit about those those days. Yeah. And, you know, every time, never get old, you know. Every time I listen, I like to listen more and bring the memories, the good memories. Well, you're welcome for the opportunity. Gosh, it's our pleasure to have you sitting down talking with us, and it is fun to, to relive some of those. Tony, I wasn't around for some of those days, but I understand that you and Rod Carew were good, good friends throughout your time in the majors and even now today. Do you remember when you first met Rod Carew? When I met Rod Carew, uh, well, he was a little baby, you know. <laughs> Uh, I say he was by 18 years old. <laughs> I met him in New York. He came out, you know, the, the, uh, the Minnesota Twins. Uh, they draft him, and he came out to the Yankee Stadium. And he, you know, as a man, me, you know, I was a little, little guy too, you know, I, I saw in Minnesota. Yeah. But Carlos was a little, a little baby, and <laughs> I I'll never forget it. The first year he came to Spring Training. In the big league spin trainings, and uh, was uh, we were play Baltimore. Okay. And Brooks Robinson was played was played third. Okay. Base, and he tried to bond to him, and he said, "Randy, not do that. Brooks Robinson is the best in the big league. <laughs> it's the best." If he, he told me, "If I bond good, no way he could throw me out," and he was right. Wow. He have a confidence from the beginning what he can do uh, he know what he can do to be a big league players and that uh when this thing happened uh, it's the half the battle that you know yourself you be, you you can be a big league player you know what you can do uh, i never i never forget that uh, he was a baby i yeah. like i like when he enjoyed enjoy the the ball club in 1967 as a rookie uh, well already i was a veteran there for a year in a big yeah. league uh, yeah, it was his babysitting. <laughs> <laughs> you babysat Rod Carew when in his rookie season in the major leagues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After that, we keep him, you know, together to be a great friend, a great friend, and we help one another a lot because uh, the people sometimes understand. You see, all these grown-up ball players, you yeah. know, big ball players making good money. I like. No, I like the way we used to do it those days, you know, but but they still the same. Big league is big league. And you say, hey, come on. But those ball players are like a baby sometimes. We sometimes need somebody to babysit us, you know, and come to us. Because one thing we want to do is to perform. Because if we perform and we win games, everybody will be happy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and, and we want to play to, you know, please. <laughs> the fans and please the ball club 
I'm busy yourself too. You'll be happy if you if you uh, 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 win game and be and doing good. Uh, I'm feeling very very bad when I see the ball players uh, struggle big time sure. because uh, this thing you know I have an experience you know I. I went through that, too. You did. Well, and you mentioned, too, when you got to the big leagues, Tony. By the way, our guest right now is Tony Oliva, Twins legend, who uh, obviously needs no introduction around here. Tony, you got to the big leagues, and you played on some great ball clubs. Who was your babysitter? You mentioned you were Rodney Carew's babysitter when he got to the big leagues. Who looked after Tony Oliva? Oh, man, I was lucky. I came to Minnesota Twins. And those days when I came here, we got a Julio Becker. Um, it was uh, like uh, like my brother, and uh, he picked me up at the airport. Uh, this was the first guy I met, and Camilo Pascual was one of the ball club. Mm. Pete Ramos was a good ball club. Soil were size. Me and Soil, we roomed early, and we were very, very close. Okay. You know, Little Big Power was here in City 2, two you know, for little, in City 3 for Little Big. And, uh, you know, I never forget it. When I get here right away, Hammond Clebrew, he, he called me Rookie. Mm-hmm. Hey, Rookie, Rookie. And the same way he called me Rookie all his career, all his life, you know. And we become a good friend. We got a, a great ball club. Bobby Allison, Otto Barry, Mocha Glang. That was only to mention a few. Jim Cott. Yeah. Jim Perry. That was, that was my baby city. Because I don't speak any English. Okay. You know, I still I still don't speak English that well, <laughs> but, but but believe me, I try very hard. Yeah, <laughs> you're doing great. Yeah, I work very hard. But I remember Jim Perry, Jim Cutt, you know, sometime uh, we play in Oakland. And Jim Cutt told me, Tony, come on, let's go eat lunch. Let's go eat some buffalo meat. I never know what's buffalo meat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he take it to me to a restaurant in Oakland yeah. to eat. Okay. Uh, yes. Now later, because he know all the good spot to eat. Sure. He's we, a big league veteran. Yeah. We go. We go to to Anaheim. And he tell me, Tony, tomorrow let's go eat some Mexican food. I say, okay, beautiful. You know, yeah. What's with with Jim Cat? And we go to to uh, eat Mexican food. Mm-hmm. I think it was only. About a couple of blocks because in Anaheim they have a lot of Mexicans that are on nearby. There. No, we take a taxi. We went to about 10 miles to this little, <laughs> little tiny <laughs> Mexican restaurant because it was uh, the real thing. Oh, authentic. <laughs> yeah, wow. authentic. Yeah. Did you know when you got there that these guys, you mentioned Harmon Killebrew, Bob Allison, Jim Cott taking you out to his favorite Mexican spot in Anaheim? Did you know already, Tony, that these players were legendary, that they were great ball players by the time you arrived? You know, those people were stupid by the time. But I was scared because I was there. It's a big difference in those days and today. Yeah. Because the other players today, already we go to spin training or something. They, you know, they have a different thing. I was scared because... You know, all those guys, Big Lee, I don't know what it was a Big Lee me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know uh, what you mean. Yeah, I was lucky because uh, I moved very fast. I went to Rookie Lee, I come out here to a Big Lee at that one month. In City 2, you know, I went to the Southern Lee, Big Lee, I stayed in the club. In City 3, I did the same. 
But what's different, in those days, you see the veteran mm-hmm. and the big deal, like, a, like a Bobby Allison, you know, Killy Brook. Oh, you know, now we play New York Yankees and get you Mickey Mantle. Troy and I said, oh, well, all this time, get you Willie May and hang out with all those Orlando Cepeda. Yeah. You know, Clemente. You know, oh, man, you belong there. You know, <laughs> I know I can hit. I know no matter what. Uh, who I go face or anything, I know I have a confidence. I don't care who pitch I go hit, but I don't know how to be around those guys, you know? Yeah. Because those guys was the real thing. Uh, it was nobody. You were you know? a few years into your big league career then before you start to felt, feel that confidence that, that, that you believed that you belonged on the same field with those guys, Tony? Well, since I, I know... When I get to the big league, I know that I go hit. My field didn't know was that great, you know. But I work very hard, and two years later, three years later, I win the Golden Glove. Yeah, that's impressive. Now, I think I was a more round ball player then. But I was confident that I know, I don't care who pitch, I know I go hit the ball. Yeah. Yeah, I know I don't go stroke out that often. Uh, uh, I got my style to hit, you know, sure. how to hit the ball at the atmosphere, how to put the ball on that. I do some little thing in the place that I was doing. I have that confidence. But, uh, you know, after that, you see, it's a lot of people thinking they're in the big league, they belong to a big league. They don't, big, they don't belong to a big league. They know a big league. Now, if you produce, if you produce, produce, and you do the job, now you belong to a big league. Yeah, right. You know, uh, you know, like, yeah, now you can come and do the thing. Show that you belong to the big league. Yeah. Um, some guys, Tony, who have shown they belong to the big leagues, who also came out of Cuba, we, we just saw them with the White Sox. You know, do you look around Major League Baseball, and you know, Yohan uh, Moncada, Luis Robert, Ismani Grandal, Jose Abreu, do you watch those players with pride that they are succeeding at the big league level? Oh yes, yes. I, 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 I watch them very careful, and with a lot of pride, especially when they adapt to the to to the American style, American you know behavior and everything, because it's different uh, when you come from your own country. You know, you come from Cuba. Cuba is a good baseball. Uh, and Cuba, you know, not surprised me, uh, uh, those kids coming from the Cuban, and, <coughs> excuse me, and doing what they do. Yeah. Because when Cuba, if you work, you have to practice the right way, and you have to do the same right. Or the other way, you know, make the club. <coughs> and they they got, uh, like, that those kids, when they're 16 or 17 years old, they went the uh, play from the Cuban national, from the Cuban team or play from the from the big team. Yeah, they go face a lot of veteran players. It's a, this is this when you see a kid come from Cuba twenty, and you know they hear like when Abreu come out, he come out ready to come in the big league. That guy played for seven or eight years already, or nine or ten years. Same yeah. thing with the guy from Japan, right? You know, and the young ones, uh, the, you know. And they've been playing hard baseball. And those kids, 
and they got uh, like uh, 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 you know, I, I used to go to, I go to Cuba almost every year. I said last year because of the, the you know the COVID nineteen. Yeah, uh, I was able to go. Close to for my brother. They have a school, and this school, about three o'clock in the afternoon after the school, the kids come out and play in the field. Right in the field, you know, you see kids 10, 12 years old, yeah. 14, 16 years old, they're practicing. Those kids, you see those kids? You know, they throw him breaking ball and good and that. That was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, went, I went to Cuba. Yeah, I took my little grandkids, two with me, and they said, uh, my little uh, grandkid, one was 14 years old. He, he, he left him to play in Grandi Cuban, uh, little lead thing over there, you know, there was practice, and the kid was about 12, the pitch was for, about 12 years old, and taught him a fastball, and later taught him a hook. <laughs> 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 and he swing, he almost hung himself. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Never seen a big league curveball before. Yeah. And those kids, practice, 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 this is this what I think, uh, this is this what they become, and they, they do so well, because they practice. The baseball, the same thing, go to school. They practice, they practice. Not only he fastball, they practice, he yeah. breaking ball. They, they try to trick you, you know. <laughs> yeah, when they're little kids, so they learn. Yeah. That's probably right. Plus, plus it's different. Because like here, um, uh, like you play most of them saying nature all the time. Yeah. But over there, when you were 16 or 17, or they used to play from the men's. And, you know, and that, that'll, that'll hard ball. 16 years old, you're in the men's league, and you have to yeah. fight. Yeah, fight, yeah. Tony, I, one more question before I let you go. Uh, Twins legend Tony Oliva, kind enough to join us on the show. Can't thank you enough for your time. My final question for you, Tony, is Miguel Sano hits a big home run yesterday. The Twins come back and win a ball game. What was that moment like for you to see a team that's been struggling come through and win? Well, I told you, if I tell you how I feel when he hit that home run, maybe you don't believe me. But, but that was my wife was here, my friend was here, Jim Ryan. We, 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 I, sit out, I was sitting out there in this time. Sitting in the Legends Club right up behind home plate. Yeah, over there. I jumped, man. I was so happy for Sano. <laughs> I was so happy for the club. Yeah. I was so happy to, to, for Sano because... I played this game too for many years. For a I know how hard it is. I know what they gone through. You know it, what they gone through is unbelievable. We got a lot of great ball players. Are they not been doing the job in the right time when they had to? You know it's great. They try so hard. I know Sano. He tries so hard, but right now he go through very hard time because. I just watch it every single game. Yeah. He take a lot of pitches too close because he think it's ball. And that's ball is too close, you know. They are, and they not go, those pitches are not dummy. They don't go give him too many good pitches <laughs> to him because he's too strong. That's right. I like last night, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, They're no dummy. That's true. No, you know, the, he, he, he had to fight for everything. Yeah. I, I hope that uh, that he he, uh, he will come out to that. Same thing the ball club. It's not normal that we leave a 10, 12, 14 million bases uh, yeah. when we have to so many 
gray, gray heating. Uh, yes, no, no more. Those kind of people, we got a good pitch staff, good bullpen. They, they started me doing a pretty good job, you know, pitches, you know. For little bullpen, they in a slump. And, and, and they gone through that, uh, that, that thing. But pretty soon, now you to see that I draw, everything that get better. Sano get uh, a big home run last night. I hope he go over there and put one thing in his mind. He believe, he, he had to touch himself. He no can think of oh, those balls close to the play go be ball because the, the umpire can go strike. Yeah, they will. And uh, if he's close enough to go strike, hey, as many times you hit home run, hit bases, hit double from balls. That's too close, you know. <laughs> Please swing the bat. <laughs> <laughs> That's Twins legend Tony Oliva with a message for Twins first baseman Miguel Sano. Swing the bat. Yeah, yours is my body. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Muchísimo gracias, señor. Okay, guy. Okay, guys. That's thank the you. voice of Twins legend Tony Oliva here on Twins Today. Kind enough to join us for a segment. When we come back, I want to talk about the Twins minor league affiliates and the new AA affiliate, the Wichita Wind Surge, and the hot start that they're off to. You're listening to Twins Today. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, here on News Talk 830-WCCO. And here's the pitch, and it's a fly ball well hit to left field. This one's ticking it out of here, and it is the first Home run in Wichita wind surge history at Riverfront Stadium. And man, did it get out of here in a minute. What an exciting call. What an exciting start to the season for the AA Wichita wind surge. The new AA affiliate of the Minnesota Twins, the 8-3 and wind surge, the red-hot first-place wind surge, and the voice you heard on that call is my next guest here on Twins Today, Tim Grubbs. Tim, thanks again for jumping on the show. Can't wait to talk to you. Hey, no problem. It's uh, it's exciting to be talking to you. I'm scribbling in the lineups today. Uh, we, we we didn't follow up with a win yesterday. As good as we've been, uh, you're not going to win them all. So the one good thing about baseball is you lose a game like last night, you get to bounce back and play a day game today. No kidding. And uh, well, we appreciate your time on a busy game day. We know it's constantly uh, chaotic and hectic there in Wichita. And I believe that was a home run call of Jermaine Palacios, if I'm not mistaken, which was the first home run in Riverfront Stadium history. What was that moment like for you to call and to witness and to just be a part of? It was thrilling. I mean, we opened the ballpark on Tuesday night, and that was Thursday night. So it took three days for us to finally get our first home run, um, especially in a ballpark like this. Um, I've watched batting practice. I've seen a college game here um, a month ago. That was the first game ever in the stadium. And it seems like a ballpark where the ball's going to carry. So the fact that it took three games, I think by that point, we were like, whoa, wait a second. Maybe we got this wrong. But it was cold on Tuesday and Wednesday, and I think it's going to play that way. I think as the weather warms up, I think the ball will jump a little bit. Tim Grubbs, our guest, the voice of the Wichita Wind Surge, new affiliate of the Twins in AA. And, Tim, you followed the club from New Orleans and now opening this new ballpark. What is the – and I shouldn't gloss over this, you know, missed a whole last season because of COVID-19 and minor league baseball just being uh, crushed by the pandemic like a lot of other things – 
Tim, what's your favorite part about being back on a daily basis at the ballpark? Just, um, you know, just being back in the mix. I was, I, I think I told you on your show last month, I was a little nervous. I hadn't done a broadcast in 610 days, <laughs> but who's um, counting? <laughs> no, no. And I actually tallied it up and I was, I was a little nervous about like, is there a rhythm? You know how it is. There's a routine. To, it, it's not like something you can practice, but to finally see this ballpark, you know, I was here from the groundbreaking, you know, I was here to see everything come along and to finally see it come to life and to be behind home plate and call that first pitch on Tuesday night, it was, um, it was more than emotional. I mean, it was very exciting and, and for the team to be off to a great start. And I tell you, the one thing that I'm really most impressed about is the, uh, the fan support here in Wichita. We knew we would get good crowds, but they're really into the games. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a baseball educated crowd which I think has been exciting. Love it. I love to hear that. It's a it's a lot of fun when you can be in that kind of crowd, but also give credit to the team on the field. Like it it kind of all feeds off each other, right, Tim? The the start on the field for a few Twins players. Uh, I'll I'll ask you about a few specifically, but I'm curious your initial take. Who stood out to you in the early goings of the season here? Well, pitching wise, uh, Josh Winder, um, you know, he was our opening day starter and he's now done it three times. And it's one thing to go out there and have a good start. And then, you know what I mean? But the fact that he has done it three times and has looked really good in all three starts, I think he jumps off, you know, as a starting pitcher as being somebody that, Hey, I don't know how I probably shouldn't become good friends with him Cause I don't know how long we'll have him here, but uh, he he's been great. So uh, I think he, Jose Miranda, when you talk about position players and Aaron Whitefield are the other two that have really have been uh, just clutch, you know, day in and day out here through the first 11 games. Winder with a 15 and a third innings, a 19 to four strikeout to walk ratio. So yeah, I don't uh, speak for the twins, Tim, but you might be right. That guy might uh, have some travel plans in uh, his future this summer. Uh, You mentioned Whitefield and Miranda. We talked about Palacios at the start too. I mean, those have been, I'm, I'm from the stats page. You've been there for every game or witnessed uh, the team up close and personal is it kind of a distributed effort like that where you have a number of guys, uh, you know, Miranda and Palacios up the middle, of course, and then Whitefield and center field that really have helped to buoy this ball club off to such a good eight and three first place start? Yeah, you have the names that jump off the page that we've talked about, but like Mark Contreras has contributed in two of the games and um, not that he hasn't contributed in all of them, but he's been the hero in two of them. And it seems like every night they're, There's a different guy that comes through with a big hit. Um, Our second baseman, I know he's a veteran guy, Peter Mooney, a guy that was signed uh, as a free agent a couple years ago, finally getting a chance to play after a layoff of no last year. And these guys are excited. Like it was raining the other day and you know, you know, baseball, you know, when you're, you're talking to guys, you're down on the field and all of a sudden there's rain guys are like, ah, we should just cancel it tonight. You know, it's hard to believe, but people do say that I haven't heard it at all. These guys are just hungry to be at the ballpark and they want to play every night. We signed a free agent the other day and Sherman Johnson, and I already saw him today and you know, the clouds are burning off and he's like, we're going to be good today. Right. And he was excited (laughs) about it. And uh, he was excited about the facility. Um, You can't hear enough. These guys really love you know, the player amenities, you know, to go along with this brand new stadium. Tim Grubbs, our guest right now, the voice of double A Wichita wind surge baseball, the twins new double A affiliate this season, Tim, one last baseball question. And I want to sneak in a personal one at the end too. Um, the schedule 
jumped off to me as I was kind of reviewing it with the, I don't know if this is the new minor leagues or just what happens to be, you know, in the central, what has it been like when you have, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it looks like a pretty uniform schedule days off Monday. And then you got a six game set with the same team. So basically you circle a week on the calendar and it's the wind surge and fill in the blank doing battle six times in a row. I'm kind of curious what that dynamic is like in the early goings here. Well, personally, as a broadcaster, and you know this, this that's nice. You, you know the dive names. In and you do all the research, <laughs> and then, you know, I'm used to diving in and doing all the research, see a team for three games, and then you got to dive in and do all the research again for, you know, the, the next team. So you know the name, so, you know, you really feel like you get a feel for the team. Um, I know from talking to Ramon, you know, and from a travel standpoint, I think it is, by the way, I think it is a 2021 thing. Okay. Hey, but you never know. We all know that you do something one year. Scouts love it because they get to see all five starters and get to see the relievers. Okay. And for us, I mean, for me, you know, it was nice to check into the hotel in Springfield and be there for a week and know that you're not going anywhere and that we're going to play all these games. Now I'm a little concerned what happens when, you know, a g- game one, you hit a few players and the game gets a little hairy. You got six, five more games coming up after that. Yeah. We haven't seen that yet, but you know, I mean, obviously I'm a little concerned in the long haul, how that plays out talking to hitters and pitchers. Everybody's like, you know, cause a starter makes two starts against the same team. Sure. Whoever starts day one yeah. starts day six. Um, I was talking to a few of the pitchers and it seems like the pitchers think the hitters have the advantage there. Okay. The fact that, They've seen my stuff and they're not going to forget in, in a week's time. No. You know, it's one thing to have a piece of paper with a scouting report, spray charts, you meet with everyone, but it's another thing to remember that guy in his tendencies five days later. And, you know, we didn't see that the first go around. Josh Winder was the opening day starter and uh, Robles for Springfield. Both pitchers were dominant. Now they were the number one guys. Sure. They were both good in start one and start six here today. We'll get to see, you know, what it's like the second go around of seeing the same exact pictures. Tim, I'm sneaking in a personal question because I got you on the horn here on Twins today. I heard from a source that Wichita was just voted the third best barbecue city in the world. Uh, I know you're relatively new to the city, but if I do make it down there, where do I have to stop? There's a couple of great places. There's one that's uh, almost throwing distance, me throwing the baseball (laughs) from the ballpark. Delano Barbecue is right behind the stadium. It is is pretty good. Um, there's a pig in and pig out. There's uh, there's a couple of places. Okay. If you make the trip here, I'll give you the list. Uh, I saw that same thing. I moved here from New Orleans, which in my opinion is the food capital of the world. New Orleans was number one barbecue, so I'm questioning that list. Okay. I think Wichita's got great barbecue, <laughs> but Wichita blows New Orleans away for barbecue. And I was a little surprised Kansas City wasn't on the list. Yeah. But, you know, hey – But I'll I'll get some tips from you when I make my trip up to the Twin Cities. Uh, I I know you guys got some great food up there. And uh, I know it's what, the cheese inside the burger. I've heard lots of good things about that. Juicy Lucy, baby. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Well, you see me here, Tim. I'm taking my notes. I'm writing this down. So I might hold you to that. Uh, Tim Grubbs, our guest, the voice of Wichita Wind Surge Baseball. Tim, thank you so much again for your time today. Anytime. Uh, Good luck to the Twins today and, and go Surge. Likewise. See you on down the line. That the voice of Tim Grubbs, the voice of the AA Wichita Wind Surge, the new AA affiliate of the Minnesota Twins this year. Also, just just so fun to talk to him about 
the the hot start that they're off to and that's a good sign because those guys are future twins so the future looks bright we got to squeeze in a break here before the bottom of the hour you're listening to twins today on news talk 830 wcco welcome back twins today what a fun morning we've had here so far in hour one of the show but don't fret there's another hour where that came from we'll take you up till noon where you'll get inside twins and the adina realty pregame lineup card all leading up to first pitch between the twins and a's this is twins today driven by the mauer auto group i'm your host derek wetmore and in the first hour of the show man what a fun hour that was we did five thoughts and then we talked to twins legend Tonio. Tony Oliva sat in this chair uh, just talking about how he mentored Rod Carew. Yes, that's what he said. Uh, he, he brought Carew under his wing when he was just a little baby in the big leagues. Tony's words, not mine. Not mine. Rod Carew's on Twitter now, by the way, if you want to follow him there. I didn't get a chance to ask Tony when he's going to get on Twitter, but I can't imagine that's too far behind. Then we talked with uh, Wichita Wind Surge voice Tim Grubbs, the new AA affiliate of the Twins. Hour two is a lot of fun, too. Maybe a little bit biased because I'm involved directly, but coming off of a big Twins win, obviously, Miguel Sano's home run, the unsung hero, the new guy, Rob Refsnyder, uh, who the sources close to the situation say may be joining the program in the second hour here, so you want to stay tuned for that. We're also going to hear a glimpse from behind the batting cage. Conversation between Dan Gladden and Jose Canseco, no I'm not making that up. That's a real thing that's happening later on this radio show. So tons of fun stuff, and we're going to close the show, too, by welcoming new Twins beat writer for the Star Tribune, Megan Ryan, joins the program. We have just got a loaded second hour of Twins today, and it just changes things. It changes the dynamic when you're talking about a baseball team coming off such an uplifting victory. I don't want to oversell it because it's just one game, you know, Cliches all apply. Starting, you know, I blew the punchline on the cliche. That's how rarely I use cliches, but I'm going to use this one here because it applies. Momentum in baseball is your next day's starting pitcher. So let's see how the Twins go about it today. Nice win against the A's. Focus on one series at a time. I think Rocco said you can't get them all back with one swing, and that's true. The Twins have played themselves into a hole. Now what they need to do is go focus on winning series uh, one series at a time that's literally all that you can do until you get towards the end of the season so um, just a different dynamic hopefully for the twins it's a different dynamic in the clubhouse too after an uplifting win stay tuned we've got a fun hour two of twins today planned i'm your host derek wetmore on news talk 830 wcco welcome back to twins today driven by the mauer auto group more than cars once again, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Welcome back, Twins Today. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, here at Target Field, where the sun is just beginning to poke out be- between the clouds, and it looks like it might be warming into a great day for baseball. Good news for the Twins coming off a win against the Oakland Athletics as they go for the series win. We're here with you till noon. Then you got Inside Twins and the Adana Realty pregame lineup card all leading up to first pitch of Twins and A's. Uh, this is the uh, second hour of the show. If you missed the first hour, go catch the podcast because Twins legend Tony Oliva sat down with us to talk uh, about his memories, some of the great memories, and also his current observations of the 2021 Twins. We're going to wind back the clock a little bit again this hour where we start here with 
a segment from Behind the Batting Cage with Dan Gladden and his guest for this one, none other than Jose Canseco. Well, welcome to the Behind the Batting Cage here, and a special guest, Jose Canseco, joins us. And, Jose, we're playing the Oakland Athletics this weekend here, and uh, what are you doing with yourself right now? I know you're out in Las Vegas, but what are you doing with your time now? Well, right now, rehabbing my right shoulder. I don't know if you actually saw the boxing match I did with Barstool Sports, I think a couple months ago, where I actually boxed a kid who was six foot four. 230 pounds, 21 years old. Of course, I'm 56. Everyone <laughs> thought I was going to win this fight, but I went in, uh, just had three months out of surgery on my right knee and a torn rotator cuff with a torn bicep tendon on my right. So I went in and fought this this kid, and basically my knee gave out, went down, completely tore my right shoulder out. Um, I think the first jab I threw, I tore my pec muscle on my left hand side. So about a month ago, I had shoulder surgery really recuperating from that. My knee's still damaged from the fight. And I'm looking at having surgery on my left pec because I completely tore that muscle off. Mm. Otherwise, I'm perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, was, it a, was it a charity fundraiser or was it just something that somebody challenged you to to want to wanna, uh, get in the ring? Yeah, we got in the ring. I think I had three weeks to train, which, I, of course, I didn't train. And uh, – the only great thing about that was that we broke all kind of pay-per-view records for Barstool Sports, and I got paid $1.1 million for 10-second fight. Oh. So I think it was <laughs> worth it. <laughs> I'm sure you're paying taxes on that as well, too. So, <laughs> Of course. Hey, um, do you still uh, associate yourself with the Oakland Athletics? Because uh, I, I want to get into the, the years that you were playing the Twins in 87 through 92. It was either the Twins or the A's. They were in the playoffs, but uh, are you still uh, involved with the Oakland Athletics at all? You know, I was a couple of years ago doing the uh, the post game, the pregame post game show, but uh, I guess I said something out of character, something that really uh, at that time wasn't kosher. So that that venture ended. But uh, I, I follow him a little bit. You know, I've been out of baseball for what twelve years now, so. I don't sit there and watch games. I try to stay active or proactive in in golf and weightlifting, you know, bowling. I love going out there and doing the physical stuff, trying to stay in shape. Boxing, of course, I've got a martial arts background. So I try to physically stay in shape. I don't like sitting down and, and just, you know, I'm not a couch potato. I'm very physical. But I have been out of baseball for 12 years. I do, you know, kind of watch what the A's are doing now and then. What do you recall from the A's and the Twins when we used to do battle? You guys were the Bash brothers, and we had, you know, Kirby and Chili, and we had some good players as well. And we always seemed to compete well between Tony Larusa in your club and also Tom Kelly in his club. Yeah, it was. I mean, back then, um, obviously, we had a great team. We had uh, a lot of players from the farm system that came up. Wow, about four or five actually made it to the major league level and became quite successful. You guys had a great team. I remember first time I ever played in the Metrodome. One thing that, that caught my attention was the, the, how loud it was in there. And the fact that when you would hit a pop-up, you lose it on the actual ceiling. You couldn't see it. It would blend in with that. So we we're like, oh, my God. A couple of times I remember you guys popping up to the, to the outfit. I'm looking. I'm going, oh, my God, where is it? Yeah. So it was, it was tough to play in there because you didn't see the ball. When, when it went sky high, of course, with that dome. And when the fans got rowdy, they got loud. It was an extremely piercing sound. I don't know if I did well in that dome, 
because I'm telling you what, you guys had excellent pitching. You had an excellent, well-rounded team. Yeah, we did. And, you know, what? I got to tell you, I got traded from the Giants in 87 to the Minnesota Twins. My first game there, I hadn't been to that dome ever, and I didn't play in many domes other than maybe in, uh, in Montreal and Houston. But my first at-bat, I hit a pop-up to Dave Henderson at center field, and I got a double out of it because right. H- Hindu lost it in the roof. And I go, boy, this is going to be fun. So I, I remember I remember the first time going in there and then we're taking batting practice and they said, Jose, get out there and take some fly balls, take a lot because you're going to notice that you're going to lose the ball. I think the roof had some weird shadows in it where you'd see it, then you'd lose it and you're like, oh, my God, where did it go? So it was extremely tough for some reason. And I know several times I lost the ball there. I know, like you said, Dave looked up and I couldn't see it either. And it dropped, I think, right in front of him. So, yeah, it was a very difficult ballpark to play in because as an outfielder, you lose the ball. And nonetheless, when the fans got going, when you guys had capacity, they started screaming. You could not hear yourself think. And, of course, you're fighting an excellent pitching staff. What do you remember about the Oakland Coliseum? And they have currently, I guess, been approved uh, either today or yesterday the, the right now to move their stadium or look for a new location. What do you recall about that? Because you guys played well at that ballpark. We did, and our pitching staff pitched great, very well, because back then, I mean, that ballpark back then was rated the most difficult ballpark to hit in because it had unusually large foul territory. Yep. And at nighttime, the ball just didn't travel there. It just didn't go anywhere. Now it's completely different. But back then when I played, you know, our pitching staff said, okay, you know, if we can score three or four runs, we're going to win a lot of games because – in that ballpark, especially at night, it was always low-scoring ball games. And I remember I used to hate playing there because as a power hitter, you'd lose a lot of home runs. You'd lose a lot in batting average because the foul tours were so big. Then we'd go play in certain controlled environments like domes. And I literally remember hitting a couple balls off the end of the bat, getting jammed and going out in these domes, and then coming back to Oakland and hitting a ball extremely hard to center field, they beat an automatic out. So I never liked playing at Oakland, especially at night early on. It was just a real difficult ballpark to hit. Who came up with the Bash Brothers? Mark McGuire and I one day were actually in a small gym in the Coliseum because back then that's when weightlifting really got started. I think McGuire and myself really evolved the game through weightlifting. And we started just, we were working out, we were doing arms. And there's a true story. Him and I were comparing forearms in the mirror. And McGuire has probably the biggest forearms I've ever seen any human have. I mean, his forearms were way bigger than mine. I have big forearms, but his forearms were so big, it was just ridiculous. So we were just comparing forearms. We were getting closer. We just kind of hit them together, like saying, oh, you know, I got a bigger forearm than you do. And we said, well, you know what? Let's just do that after we hit a home run. Let's just bash forearms. And I think I forgot who hit a home run first. We came around home play. We just bashed forearms. And I would say it went viral, but back then, of course, there wasn't social media there's today. But if there would have been that kind of social media, something like that goes viral instantly. You know, it kind of just began there. You know, public relations department at the Oakland just ran with it. They called us the Bash Brothers. Tony LaRusso's back managing right now. And what was your relationship with Tony LaRusso? Because he's, he's in the Hall of Fame and he's considered one of the better managers. But did he let you grow your personality there? I think he did in a way directed it because Tony's very, uh, how am I say, strategic, mechanical type, military type manager. I don't consider him a player's manager, meaning he was always on your side, 
but he was always to me the best prepared manager I ever played for. A little bit strong-handed in the managerial sense. And when I mean strong-handed, I mean it in, in a very good sense. He only wanted from you, he said, no, come to the ballpark, don't be late, and be prepared to play. If you were late, you were going to hear from it. You were going to, believe me, either with a fine, he was going to sit you down. But he was a very intimidating manager. Wow. Well, there it is. Jose Canseco with Dan Gladden on Behind the Batting Cage. There's more where that came from. I heard from a couple of sources, actually, I corroborated this tale, that there are going to be multiple interviews with Mr. Canseco. I can't let that interview go past, though, without mentioning the fact that, of course, he and Mark McGuire were comparing forearms in the mirror at the gym at the ballpark. Uh, Who among us has not been in that very same situation? Uh, Super fun uh, conversation there with uh, Gladden and Jose Canseco. Again, you'll hear more of that on Behind the Batting Cage coming up on future shows. But we transition to the 2021 Twins and what's going on on the field because yesterday there was a bit of heroics. And you know me, by now, I prefer to talk about the moment before the moment, and that's what we have here. And the 0-1, loop to right center field, over the head of Kemp, base hit. Rounding third, scoring is Cruz. Palacco makes third. Ref Snyder, RBI single, it's a 4-2 game. Big hit for Ref Snyder in his Twins debut, a pair of hits, but that one was part of the eighth inning rally and kind enough to join us on Twins Today, the day after the show. Rob, thanks for joining us. This is Derek up in the radio booth. Uh, how you doing today? Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, Derek. Well, super fun to watch that play out. Tell me, as a a relative new guy in the big leagues with the Twins, I know you've been around a bit, and we'll talk about that too, but just take me into that moment, your eighth inning at bat. What is your mindset on a team that, yes, has been struggling, but has an opportunity to win a game here? Um, Yeah, obviously we were down at that moment, so just kind of just, not to say a cliche, but just trying to have a good bat and pass it on to the next guy, so. Um, yeah, it was it was good. Nice to contribute right there. And then Snow obviously came up with a, with a huge home right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you set it up, and I, I don't know if you were on just a second before we play the clip, but I love the moment before the moment because we all, you know, you're going to talk about the home run. You remember the three-run bomb, especially in a in a spot like that for Sano, who's been struggling. But uh, setting up those moments is super fun too. Um, I want to talk about your call, though, Rob, because you have been around the big leagues a bit with a number of different clubs. Now getting an opportunity with the Twins, where were you? Can you take me inside the moment when you got the word that you were going to the big leagues? Oh, yeah. Um, Obviously, early in the morning, as I was holding my son. Uh, My son's two months old. He's my first. So, uh, yeah, I was – I think I was just trying to get him to settle down in between feedings and things like that. I don't know if you have kids or not, so – that was uh, that was definitely a challenge, but um, I got a call from uh, Toby, who's the manager in St. Paul, and uh, I think um, I've been around long enough. You get phone calls early in the morning; that's usually a, usually a good thing. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was cool holding my son Drake. Um, like I said, first time father, so that was a pretty special moment um, for sure. <laughs> you got to share that moment with your two-month-old son. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. My wife was. Uh, was around too so yeah it was pretty special for sure 
Wow. I, I love hearing those stories. Everybody's got their own. Uh, it's different for everybody. Um, I, I want to touch on this too, Rob, because you came through in a big way for the Twins yesterday. Rob Refsnyder is our guest, uh, newest Twins outfielder, and uh, the moment before the moment hit in the Twins' big win on Saturday. Rob, um, you've been called up uh, a number of different times with different organizations. Uh, does it does it, um, I don't want to say get old because obviously you're going to the big leagues, but do you ever feel like, oh, kind of same old, same old. I've had this phone call before. Oh, no. I mean, I'm 30 years old. I've been called up and down, up and down numerous times. And obviously, um, you don't take these for, for granted. You know, um, I came from a pretty humble family. My dad told me to kind of work for everything. So just, I feel obviously super blessed whenever I'm in the big leagues and um, I don't take it for granted and work as hard as possibly can. And, and like I said, don't take it for granted. And um, yeah, I, I felt, it felt pretty special obviously to, to share that moment with my family and my son. And um, yeah, you kind of just, you know, I guess say your blessings every day and, and just feel super, super grateful and thankful. I think you can probably hear it in my voice. It's, uh, it's obviously special and um, you know, something uh something you cherish every time you get called up and especially with a new team and be able to contribute right away is, is pretty cool yeah absolutely well that yeah the voice you're listening to listeners is rob ref snyder newest twins outfielder uh just recently got the call and you know rob you talked about your your background will you do you mind taking me through that a little bit because I, so i read somewhere um i know you've you've played for a number of organizations you know the yankees the the blue jays the reds the diamondbacks uh, texas before coming to minnesota um you know will you explain that upbringing that you just mentioned your dad uh taught you to work for everything because i read yesterday that you are now the second korean-born player for the minnesota twins in their history what what was your upbringing in baseball yeah uh, i was adopted um from uh, South Korea, and I grew up in California. Okay. Um, that's kind of, I guess, the unique last name uh, for my, uh, I guess, appearance. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I um, grew up in California. I was a pretty active kid with my, my parents. So, yeah, I mean, I uh, got drafted with the Yankees and then been with a numerous uh, amount of teams, but, yeah. Why'd you choose Minnesota? I mean, I know it's kind of a weird situation present for for me included too, but just kind of like COVID changing the landscape of Major League Baseball. Um, what led you to the Twins, or maybe they call you? Yeah, I mean, not I'm not to beat around the bush, but I, I signed because of uh, you know Rocco and um, also Mike Bell. I had um, a relationship with Mike um, with the Diamondbacks and. Um, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Mike Bell is probably the biggest reason. Um, he helped me get into a better situation with another organization. And, um, you know, he went out of his way to make me feel comfortable and, and confident. And uh, I, I owe a lot to, to Mike. And um, obviously, I'm sure, I'm sure your viewers, um, you know, kind of know the backstory with Mike. And uh, he was he was incredible to me. And, and that he was probably the biggest reason him and Rocco for um, the reason why I picked uh, Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Bell, just a special, special person gone too soon. Definitely. I mean, he, uh, I'm sure everyone has uh, their own little unique story or, or relationship with Mike yeah. and um, he was the real deal. I mean, special, special human being. 
And um, it's cool. Obviously, yesterday was my first day, and then they had the you know his jersey and things like that, and things on the jersey, and yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah for sure. Rob can't thank you enough for taking the time after your big hit yesterday to join Twins today here. Uh, continued success, and, and thanks a lot for the moment. Yeah, I appreciate it. Have a good one. Take care. That's the voice of newest Twins outfielder Rob Refsnyder, who uh, came up in a big spot for the Twins to set up Miguel Sano's game-winning home run in Saturday's victory over the Athletics. Super cool of him to peel back the curtain on uh, on his journey to get to this spot. It's been a long journey, no doubt, and uh, we wish him continued success on that path. Uh, we got to go to a break here. Um, when we come back, we are going to talk about the new mask policy at Target Field, the new capacity limits, what the rest of the summer is going to look like at Target Field with somebody who's been inside the room for all of those, and later we'll get Megan Ryan, beat writer for the Star Tribune, to come on and talk some twins with us. But now we bring you the Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group. The break brought to you by Mauer Auto Group, and Jeremy from that group is kind enough to join us on the phone. Jeremy, how's it going today? Going great. Thanks for asking. My pleasure. Boy, you guys just, you have a lot going on right now. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're just like the Twins. We've got the Major League. On one side of the river, we got the minor league on the other side of the river, and you got the Mauer Chev down in South St. Paul, and you got Mauer Main Chev up in the North Metro. It's a good connection, and I actually thought of another one, too. So the Twins are ramping up their capacity, which means, Jeremy, they are hiring. They're bringing new people in to sort of scale up their staff. You told me last week you guys are doing the same thing. Yeah, we are. We are Currently, we're looking for service technicians and salespeople. Um, you know, if, if ever you're looking for an opportunity, the Mauer Group, the Mauer Auto Group is a great company to work for. Um, they invest in their people and the, the people are what make the company. That's what's all about the more than cars, you know. So it's it's a great time. Check out our websites. You know, we've got you can apply online. You can come into the stores. You can fill out an application, however you want to do it. Uh, we'd be more than happy to talk to you. Remind people, what are the other websites they can go to find out? Well, there's the Mauer Chef site the Mauer Buick GMC site, and then the Mauer main site, all Mauer.com, of course. Um, you know, we're working on one centralized website right now, but for now, you know, in, any website you go to, it shows all of the inventory at all of the stores. Nice. Yeah, I was looking through some of the certified pre-owned stuff, and you told me last week, Jeremy, when we chatted that that's not just, uh, hey, this is a used car. Those things go through a pretty rigorous inspection. No, you're exactly right. The, the certified pre-owned does get a more rigorous, it's a great word, inspection. Uh, it's 172 point inspection, so it's a little bit longer, but do be confident. You know, when we talk about the more than cars and the whole Mauer Auto Group thing, every vehicle we have, whether it's a 300,000 mile 2005 or it's a 500 mile 2021 that happens to be used, um, they all go through a very in-depth inspection. We do safety inspections, we do full inspections, we do certified inspections. But that brings us right back to we need some more service techs. We're <laughs> there's only so many hours in a day. So again, that's why we're looking for more people. Because as as the business ramps up, you know, and the Mauer Auto Group is becoming quite a player in the the Minneapolis area. We're selling so many cars and becoming such a a volume uh, dealer group that we need more technicians because those inspections take time and they're thorough. And that's it's that's what you know that's when it all gets back to more than cars because we want to make sure. Whether you're spending $5,000 or $50,000, you get the same treatment no matter what you're buying. That's great. Uh, Jeremy, thank you for uh, sharing all these details with us. 
I thank you for your time and uh, continued success. All right. Thank you so much. That's Jeremy from the Mauer Auto Group. Remember, Twins Today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group more than cars. Welcome back, Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and joined now by a very special guest. Uh, Governor Tim Walls has made some uh, adjustments. The CDC has said some things this week. What does it all mean for the Twins? Well, we ask Matt Hodson, the Senior Manager of Business Communications. Matt, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Derek. Great to be with you. I guess I want somebody who's been in the room to, to shed some light on on this news to for me and for the listeners. Now things are changing really quickly, Matt, with uh, the, some of the mask ordinances going away and capacity sure. limits for venues increasing. What does this mean for Target Field right now and going into the summer? Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, this has been an evolving situation. Really, if you just take a step back and think about where we were a couple months ago, where we were on the home opener, where we are today, and how, how much things continue to change. I mean, First and foremost, it's it's wonderful for our state and for our region that that we're hitting these spots where our health metrics are increasing, vaccination numbers are going up, and we're at a spot where where Governor Walls was able to announce his his three step plan to roll back all the the state restrictions. Uh, so beyond the baseball side, it's it's just a huge sigh of relief for us all. For the Twins, I mean, it's 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 wonderful. We are now in a position where we can begin our own measured, responsible multi-phase ramp up to a full house of Twins fans at Target Field, which is what we all want. And, and that begins right away. We will go from the 25% capacity we have been operating at up to 60% capacity. Now, what that'll mean for you when you're in the ballpark, we're still selling tickets in, in the pods of two and four, but the zip ties are gone. The seats will be now in, in middle of, of rows, closer to the aisles more of the ballpark open. The physical distancing requirements ha have been eliminated. It's more getting back to, to the target field we all know and love. And then the next step come June 8th when we host the Yankees for our first game of June, we'll be up to 80% capacity. Pods will be gone. You can buy your tickets in any quantities you want, wherever you want, basically in the ballpark. That'll be in effect for June. Then come July 5th, we open our doors completely wide 100% full capacity for summer baseball at Target Field. And that, Derek, is one of the best phrases I have said in a long, long time. It gives me, it gives me goosebumps just to think about 38, 40,000 fans back at our ballpark and just enjoying a glorious summer day, eating, drinking, hanging out, and watching ball. I echo that sentiment, Matt. I don't get to talk to you every single day, but that's the best sentence I've heard you say in a long, long time. <laughs> it's it's fun to say. I mean, it's just, I mean, really, what's what's more normal than a gorgeous Minnesota summer day, sitting at the ballpark with your friends, with your family, having a hot dog, enjoying a beverage, walking around our many outdoor social spaces, you know, playing some cornhole out in, inside gate 34, going over to the Great Duck Deck, or sitting in your seat and watching the game. It's just, this is, it's a quintessential Minnesota summer experience and we get to bring it back. And we are so thrilled for that. Love it. Let me just ask you, not a devil's advocate question, but just some listeners yeah. will be wondering why uh, the Twins wanted to go sort of slowly in this. Cause sure. couldn't, couldn't you have opened your doors pretty much wide open for May if you had wanted to? We could have, if we wanted to. 
So there, there's a couple different reasons we're doing that. Our fantastic season ticket holders that have stuck with us through everything going on in the pandemic, there were so many tickets already sold for the remainder of May. This was the best way to do it so that beginning in June, we can open up more broadly. Our season ticket holders can be back in their normal seats that they have been, that they purchased. Many of them have been displaced. This was the, the, the best way to do that for them. Also to allow everybody to kind of come back at their own pace, so to speak. You know, we, we didn't want to force feed folks to come back and say, all right, it's a hundred percent full ballpark right away. Um, yeah. Along those lines for the remainder of the season, we will have certain physically distant seats available uh, for folks who want to call our ticket office directly at 800-33-TWINS. We'll, we'll take care of you. We are setting aside a few seats here and there that will be physically distanced just for those that may feel a little less comfortable. Uh, and, and then the other, the other aspect to it also is just, this is a job creator for us too. You know, we, we need to ramp back up our employment. Not every concession stand has been open for the first month and a half here of the season. Uh, not all of our guest services staff has been fully fleshed out. And now we need to bring those people back. We need to hire more new positions. We need to get all those folks up to speed. This is the way for us to do it safely. You know, since day one of the pandemic for, for the twins, we've had the, the health, safety, and well-being of everyone who comes through Target Fields gates in mind. Our, our fans, our staff, our players, our employees. And, and this is true to that value. Uh, this is, allows us to get a measured, responsible ramp up to get to that 100% mark. And, and we still will be, I mean, we'll be 80% for more than 50% of our season. Yeah. 52 home games will be at 80%. 40 will be at, at the full 100%. So this is still a, a good deal, 2021 baseball at the, at the, at the full level or close yeah. to it. I had kind of thought about that, the sort of, you know, the twins and people who work in the stadium too are, are going to have to relearn as well as us fans who are just hanging out what it's like to be in huge crowds again, eventually. Absolutely. There's a there's a learning, there's a ramp up process. I want to circle on a couple of things you said, just so I can maybe get some rapid fire questions answered here for some sure. listeners. Are you ready for the rapid fire round, Matt? Let's go. <laughs> okay. Let's bring it. So Matt, you mentioned pods and that's something that we've gotten used to seeing on TV or if you've been at the ballpark is that's either sitting in two or sitting in four kind of at the end of the aisle. Yep. Uh, and those will be still, we're still selling those through May, but just different. They want, they're not as spaced out. There's not the six feet between pods. Sure. And then yeah, beginning in June, the pods are gone. And, about- and those tickets, sorry, real quick, those tickets, May 20th, our tickets go on sale for the rest of the year. And sorry if I beat you to the punch, another rapid fire question. That's great. You're in the spirit of the thing. That's it's perfect. <laughs> uh, how about masks? Because it's outdoors, but you know, there's still some people who are going to be nervous about that. Where are the twins standing on masks at Target Field? Yeah. So per uh, this past Thursday's new guidance issued by CDC and then Governor Walz's uh, lifting of the mask mandate, uh, we are strongly encouraging our guests to wear masks in outdoor spaces, but they will not be required. For indoor spaces, we are still requiring masks, and that's per the city of Minneapolis ordinance. But again, for the outdoor spaces, which is the vast majority of our ballpark, we do strongly encourage our guests to continue wearing masks except when actively eating or drinking, but that requirement is being lifted. How about concessions? Does that change at all with this, or is it going to be the same going forward? Uh, So the biggest change is is we'll be able to open up more of our locations. Uh, We we had adjusted at the beginning of the season and, and had... Uh, I'd say it's probably in the 75-80% range of, of concessions that were open. Uh, we moved some favorites around from spots they normally were to a spot that was open. Uh, you know, favorites like the, the Tony O's or some Andrew Zimmerman's items. We had moved to different spots that were open so people could still get them. 
we'll go back to the standard target field full concessions operation. What will remain though is our ability to order and pay directly from your phone via the ballpark app. So you can sit in your seats or wherever you're standing around the ballpark, call up uh, via the ballpark app. It will call up the closest concession stand to you or give you an option from around the ballpark. You can order, pay directly from your phone, get a little notification via text message when your order is ready, go get your food and drink and come back. I mean, that's not just a safety thing, it's a convenience thing. You don't have to miss much of the action that way. Yeah, absolutely. People hear this, they're like, yeah, okay, it's, it's probably time for me to return to Target Field, excited about some outdoor baseball. Um, the ballpark app is one, but give us the phone number, the website where people can do that. Twinsbaseball.com, and you can explore our variety of season ticket packages there uh, that are still available, a 20-game uh, package, a 40-game flex package, uh, all the way up to, uh, you can get going into, into a standard package. Um, Single-game tickets are available also via twinsbaseball.com. We are selling through May 30th for about another week on May 20th at noon. Thursday, May 20th at noon. Tickets for the remainder of the season go on sale. Twinsbaseball.com, MLB Ballpark app, or our box office, 1-800-33-TWINS. Awesome. Matt, sincerely appreciate your time and thank you for coming on. It's my pleasure. And you know, just, just real quick. Yeah. It is so wonderful to now be able to completely say, welcome home, Twins fans. Come back to your ballpark. Very well said. Matt, we'll catch you on down the line. All right. Sounds good, Derek. Take care. That is the voice of Matt Hodson, the Senior Manager of Business Communications for the Minnesota Twins, answering all your questions ballpark related. When we come back, more baseball. You're listening to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars, on News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, live at Target Field here on WCCO Radio in the metro area. We are leading you right up to Inside Twins and the Adina Realty pregame lineup card, all leading up to first pitch between the Twins and A's. Super fun show we've had already, and I'm looking forward to the next couple of segments because we're welcoming in a friend of mine, friend of the show, and new Twins beat writer for the Minneapolis Star Tribune. She is Megan Ryan. Megan, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Derek. Uh, It's my pleasure, and uh, you are threading the needle here because (laughs) you're getting done with Rocco Baldelli and jumping in the seat right next to us, so we appreciate you coming with all the hot scoops. Yeah. I mean, he's honestly still talking, so... I might be missing a big scoop. Who knows? Uh, well, <laughs> if you do, I'll raise my hand, mea culpa. I'm sorry to your editors for that. But, Megan, uh, super fun to have you sitting in the chair next to me here. I want to introduce you to an audience who has read your work, has seen your byline, but doesn't know who you are other than on Twitter, at the other Meg Ryan. Uh, background at the, the Minnesota Daily at the University of Minnesota, Dallas Morning News, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and the Star Tribune. Did I miss a stop in there? No, I think that's it. Okay. (laughs) I've been a lot of places, apparently. Take me through that path, Megan, because a lot of, uh, uh, I don't know, I would say sports journalists almost like have to leave. I know I certainly had to leave. I worked in Baltimore for a year before coming back and covering the Twins. Uh, How did that journey lead you to where you are right now sitting in the a chair at the minneapolis star tribune yeah man it was it was a it was a big hustle uh 
I yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I do actually. If we want to throw it way back, we, I owe my journalism career to one Derek Wetmore in a way. <laughs> no, no. Somebody, way. somebody, I'm sitting across from right now did hire me at the Minnesota Daily, which was my first real sports writing job as a sophomore in college. Yeah. So. Without Derek, who knows if I would even be here today. No, no. Somebody else would have cracked the door, <laughs> and you would have burst it down like you have done. We had Betsy, Betsy Hellfan on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago, and this is kind of like a Minnesota Daily reunion, the student newspaper. That was the sports department for a little while I there know. on campus. Like, I talk about all the time our sports desk that, like, was like you created the godfather of it as the sports <laughs> editor. It was like me and Betsy, um, Andrew Kramer, who's obviously on the Vikings for the Star Tribune, yep. um, Dami Zutani, who yep. is at the Pioneer Press covering the Wild, and then Jace Frederick, too, who was later on in the Daily Career. Right. He's, at, he's at the Pioneer Press, too. So, And then Sam Gordon, who is at the Las Vegas Review, Review Journal, like killing it on basketball. So there, we had like a real star-studded generation the minnesota daily and look at us now <laughs> look at us now well now we're sitting here watching the a's take batting practice ahead of twins and a's and we'll certainly get to minnesota twins by the way if you'd like to get your phone calls in for either myself or for megan uh with a question on the twins hit us up at 651-989-9226 that is the phone number you can call for the rest of the show here up until about noon here on twins today 651 989 Nine two two six, uh, Megan. You mentioned here we are now. We're watching. So the Twins are kind of throwing down the right field line. A couple A's hitters are taking some BP on the field. We'll watch Twins and A's here from the press box in a little while. Uh, but you haven't always covered baseball. You've covered some soccer in your past. You covered Gophers football before. Uh, how how many different sports and beats have you covered as a professional sports journalist? I mean, dang near all of them, like, right? Because when I started at the Daily, again, I was, like, non-revenue girl. I did, like, track and field, swim and dive, gymnastics. Yeah. Like, I was doing it all. Um, so I've done, yeah, I, I mean, I did hockey at the men's hockey. That was, like, when they went to the Frozen Four 2014. Yeah. That was, I covered them that year. And uh, I've covered hockey, like, at other stops or kind of, like, casually. So I've really, I'm trying to think if there's anything I haven't covered. Sure, it'd be quicker to say what you haven't covered than what you have. I know, because, like, I've done lacrosse. I've done squash. I did, like, one squash tournament once. You're making that up. No, you really I did. did. I did in <laughs> Pittsburgh. It was, like, they have a squash club there. That's I don't know. awesome. So I did that. I've done rugby, rugby stories. I'm trying to think truly if there is anything I've not done. I'm sure there is. Cricket, maybe. Okay. Haven't well, gotten around to put it. Put that on your bucket list. Yeah. What would you yeah. cover at the Dallas Morning News, Megan? Um, that was high school football mostly. It was the – Big the, in Texas. Yes. It was, like, the true Friday Night Lights experience. Um, like, everything like that TV show and that movie is, like, that was exactly what the experience was like. It was, like, very real and accurate. Um, so, yeah, that's what I did in, in Dallas. That was my first – Okay, well, technically, so I graduated from the U. I'd done a bunch of internships. I interned at the Star Tribune that summer as, like, a sloppy seconds. Didn't get it as, as a message to all you listeners. Sometimes you don't get the job the first time around, but then they call back <laughs> when the other person drops out, and you Great can just advice. take it. Great advice. Great advice. Stick um, with it. So I did the Star Tribune internship that summer, uh, which was kind of just a grab bag doing all sorts of things. Yeah. I think that might have been the first Twins game I ever covered. Okay. Uh, was that, that summer. And then um, – Went to Dallas, did mostly high school football, but kind of dabbled in other things. I think I did, like, a Dallas Stars game, and I did okay. some, um, some of their soccer team down there. 
Uh, and then I, my first job out of college, my first real one was in Pittsburgh at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. So I did high school sports for a year and like mid-major basketball. If anyone's like a Robert Morris fan, that's the team I covered. There you go. Um, and then after a year of that, I went on to Penn State football and I was driving from Pittsburgh to State College uh, a lot. Put some <laughs> miles on the odometer. Yeah, it was like a five hour round oh trip. Wasn't gosh. great. And it's just nothing. It's just like a barren wasteland, yeah, yeah. like two lane road the entire time. So it's not great. Um, no, Megan, it's glamorous. <laughs> don't you remember? <laughs> so glamorous. <laughs> oh my God, so glamorous. Um, and then, yeah, when I was uh, about a year after covering Penn State was when they had the soccer job open at the sure. Star Tribune. and Covering the loons. Yep, and I had I'd made the long, the long game play on that uh, to try to get that job. And nice. so when it came open, I was ready, and then here I am. That's awesome. Soccer for two years, go for football for two years, now I'm on the Twins. Well, I would love to talk to you about what it was like to cover P.J. Fleck and now transi transitioning over to Rocco Baldelli, but I'm afraid we wouldn't have enough time to fit that all <laughs> into this segment. Uh, so I, I do want to talk to you about the current Twins, Megan. Let's do that when we come back because they've been off to just a weird start to the season and uh, you were not covering the team every day in 2019 when they were just this amazing force that ripped its way through the American League. Mm -hmm. So now you're coming in with the perspective of good team, bad record, and I, I, I just have to pick your brain about that and the dynamics that go into it. But let's first squeeze in a break. We are sitting with Megan Ryan, who covers the Minnesota Twins for the Star Tribune. You can follow her on Twitter at the other Meg Ryan. She has a sense of humor about it. Uh, <laughs> but we'll do that on the other side of this break. When we come back here on Twins Today, you're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today. This is our final segment here of this just a super fun, guest-packed show. Uh, I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, live from Target Field, which uh, has not turned into a dance party. It only sounds like it on the microphone. Uh, I'm joined here to close the show with Star Tribune's beat reporter for the Minnesota Twins, Megan Ryan. And uh, she shared her story, kind of how she got into the chair in the first segment. So if you missed any of it, Go check out the podcast. Uh, just search for Twins on your podcast player. Um, it's in the same spot where you find your Inside Twins shows as well. So, Megan, with the few minutes that we have left, I want to talk to you about the 2021 Twins. And uh, I'll ask you about today's starter, Kenta Maeda. Um, you, you are familiar with him, even from maybe before you took over the beat and, and started covering the Twins closely. What's your impression of uh, where he's at right now in his second year with the Twins? Yeah, well, I mean, I was I was aware of who Kenta was before I was on the Twins, solely because he's Japanese, as am I. So, like, there's, there's just a kinship there. You got um, that tie-in. Yeah, it was great. So he was actually, like, the, the first big story I did when I got on the beat, like, halfway through spring training. It's a great story, by was, the way. Was Kenta Maeda. Um, and we actually didn't really talk anything at all about baseball. It was sure. mostly about, like, you know, being in Minnesota and, like, how does he find like his Japanese cuisine and culture and all that stuff here. And like just learning about like what a figure he was or he is in Japan. Like he's just a huge, huge star there. Um, and very unique because he's like super 
open with like doing TV ex- appear- uh, appearances and like talking to the media and stuff, yeah. and that's unusual um, for Japanese players specifically. So um, it was really it was great to kind of get to know him, and he's like still because of like we're in the Zoom era and there's no really clubhouse access yet. Like he's still probably the only player I like know fairly well and probably knows me. Yeah, I'm not sure that Mitch Garver could pick me out of a lineup, but eventually. <laughs> Eventually they will. Yeah, when you get back in the clubhouse. But, yeah, like, Kenta's season has been weird, right? Like, he was so good last year. Um, and granted, it was a shorter season. Sure. Um, so it was all out of whack. But, like, he has not started as strong as, as I think a lot of people were expecting. And it's it's hard to really pinpoint why. I mean, he's made a couple of jokes about how cold it's been. Um, which it has been for his standards. Like, I don't think he's ever pitched in 40-degree weather before. This ain't Southern California anymore. He's done it a couple times now. So um, I wonder, like, I think the last time uh, he had a start, he kind of said, yeah, I hope it's warmer. But I think it was in Detroit. Okay. Um, And so it's, like, what, supposed to be 75 degrees today? It's looking like it's going to be beautiful. So maybe this is, like, when we're going to see him break out and, like, kind of fully assume his full form now that he's comfortable well (laughs) let me ask you about the psychology about it because we could talk all day about like pitch location and and you know maybe he's missing a spot with his slider in the middle of a plate okay but let's peel back a layer beneath that um the psychology of an up and down or rocky start how do you think he slash the twins have handled that dynamic you know, I think the interesting thing with that is, like, I'm always more interested in that stuff because the technical stuff, like, they know. They know what they have to do to get that better, and they know when they miss it. So, like, at the end of the day, it just comes down, like, we're all human, and sometimes you just don't throw the way you want to yeah. throw. But, like, the psychology of it, I think, is a lot harder to pinpoint. And, like, my my theory on, on Kenta, um, which I'm not, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but my theory is, is that, like, being an opening day starter, like, is a, is a big deal. Um, and I think especially for him, like, I, even after the game, I think he mentioned how, like, what an honorable thing it was. And, like, he he put a lot of importance on that. And, like, the Twins, like, you know, they kind of saved him from the Dodgers. They, they said, we believe you're a starter, not only a starter, we believe you're an ace. Yeah. And, like, that was a, that was a lot. And he, he kind of came out in 2020, shortened season, and showed that. And then he felt like he really had to follow it up, especially as, like, you know, the guy this year. So I wonder if that kind of got to him okay. um, in a way. And and not that he, like, you know, crumbled under the pressure, but I just think, like, he really wanted to do well. And when you really, really want something, like, it is harder to do. Sure. Um, so I wonder if, like, you know, these first couple of, of weeks or months and, you know, he's not really found a spot yet, I wonder if he's been able to let go of some of that. And so now, like, he'll kind of feel like I could just go out there and pitch and then maybe we'll see him kind of come back to that. But I do – I am interested in, like, the the psychology of it. And I know Wes Johnson takes that part kind of seriously too. So yeah. I'm sure they're working on it. Well, I love you pointing that out because he had this moment on TV in one of his poor starts where I, I saw him just, like, shaking his head and he kind of, like, pound his fist into his mm-hmm. glove. And I thought last year he was sort of even keeled. Yeah. So maybe, maybe quickly. I know we're running low on time here on the show, Megan, but, you know – how do you think that if it's that pressure that he's putting on his own shoulders, that that burden that he's sort of bearing, how do you move past that and just be free and perform? I know. Well, I think he's kind of got to let go of the, the responsibility factor. Like, I, it, it appears to me that he puts a lot on himself. And so when he starts a game and does poorly and yeah. then the team loses, he feels like it was his fault because okay. if he doesn't like start the game off right or like, you know, help them like, you know, keep the score down. Um, then, like, 
anything that happens after that. Like, he has a, a, the ability to set the tone. Um, and if he doesn't do that, I think he just feels like it was his fault. So I, I'm hoping that, like, you know, he can just kind of let go of some of that stuff. But, yeah, you're right. Like, sometimes he's on the mound and he just, like, he looks upset. Yeah. After, like, he, like, lets up a home run or he, like, misses something. Like, it's, it's, it's interesting. So I don't know. It's only natural, but also, like, it's okay. It's going to be okay. I kind of just feel like I want to say it through the TV to him sometimes. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, another point about Kenta is his family's not here. They're still in California. And I don't think they've been up here since – they weren't at spring training. I don't think they've come up here yet. Well, travel's complicated right now. Yeah. So, I mean, that's hard, too, to be away from your wife and kids and toy poodle. So. That's awesome. Megan, uh, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate you coming on Twins today. Thank you for having me, Derek. That is the voice of Megan Ryan. If you haven't yet, read her profile on Kenta Maeda in the Star Tribune. Just go search it. And you can follow her on Twitter if you'd like to. She's at the other Meg Ryan on Twitter. And her, uh, what do you call that, the banner? Her banner profile is currently Nelson Cruz wearing a Gatorade cooler on his head as if it were an oversized hat. So there's just a little sneak peek of what you get from Megan on Twitter. Uh, This has been a super fun show for me. I appreciate all the guests coming on to, to talk baseball with us not the least of which was the Twins legend, Tony Oliva. We'll be back with you next week on Twins Today. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, here on News Talk 830-WCCO. You have been listening to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.